0: Time now for another episode of Pat's from the Paths Podcast. Matt Smith, along with Paul Perillo, and we're pleased to be joined by number forty-six um, on your scorecard, but number one in our hearts, at least for today, right, Paul? Uh, and that's James Devlin, who joins us all the way from the Jersey Shore. James, how you doing? <laughs>
1: Nice to see I'm you. I'm doing
2: well, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having us. me on.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Um, Are you getting some of that Jim Tan laundry thing going? Now, on the, uh, on yeah, the man.
2: Uh, a little bit, although there's not much tanning going on right now. <laughs> no, in the winter, no,
1: no, but, no. It's so gray um, here, I can't even believe it. I don't remember insane. the last it's, time we saw been, the sun. It's been a long time. It's been
2: fog. It's been nothing but fog here for like a week. Um, but it's all good, man.
0: Yeah, and I do think, Paul, I, I don't know if you ever catch this, but I do think periodically... We still see a little uh, Sullivan tire commercial every once mm-hmm. in a blue moon with uh, James on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Show sure, James is uh, thrilled to hear that. Um,
0: right? Please tell yeah. me you got a good set of all wheel tires <laughs> or something at least out of that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Mr. Sullivan
2: takes care of me, man. He's, uh, <laughs> he's been a great friend, um, you know, we kind of established a relationship while I was up there playing and um, and honestly, I look up to him now as like, an entre- like me and my little entrepreneurial role. Um, you know, he's got a lot of knowledge and experience in this world. So um, we're trying to just, you know, keep it fun and keep it light. And he's been a great partner thus far.
0: So you mentioned entrepreneurial, uh, James, and we ask everybody about this. Some people are more visible, guys who are in broadcasting, things like that, like things mm-hmm. like that. What is James Devlin up to these days?
2: Sure, yeah. So uh, so upon retirement, I retired right into that, you know, initial onset of COVID, so things kind of slowed down a little bit. But honestly, it was nice for me to kind of like, just ease my way into like, you know, being a real adult and stop playing a uh, a child's game um, professionally. So uh, I did a lot of soul searching, a lot of like what I wanted to do. My biggest priority these days is my family. I got four kids now um, and my wife, obviously. So I'm a huge, huge family man try to keep that to, you know, the highest level of importance. Um, But I wanted to, I knew I wanted to kind of create my own legacy beyond football. I wanted to control my, my time and destiny here. So uh, I decided to go into this entrepreneurial role. I actually took a uh, entrepreneurial course through the NFLPA Trust. And um, that helped kind of just connect me with, with, you know, people that were local and, across the country that could kind of guide me in what I wanted to do and ended up uh, buying a business here on the Jersey Shore called Soulberry. It's a little uh, coffee smoothie acai bowl type place um, two blocks off the beach. And uh, so now I'm trying to expand that, that business uh, for more towns on the Jersey Shore and then hopefully beyond that. Um, my goal here, in like maybe the next five to ten years, is to have one in Patriot Place. So, um, <laughs> Love it. hopefully it. can get a Solberry up there.
1: Love it. Right, so maybe we'll have to do a sequel to the the from yes, the Pass with James. Absolutely. We'll, we'll keep you in the circulation here for right. Robert and uh, and Jonathan. So we'll we'll get that done. Obviously, James, your story is is one that's been told a lot. You know, not the mm-hmm. the most common path to the NFL, but I'm just curious. Um, you know, in in your time at Brown,
0: and mm-hmm.
1: your positional moves. You know, when did you think, I I can do this, I can I can be an NFL player? Was there a time before you actually made it that you really thought that you could do this?
2: Uh, yeah, so I always kind of had the, the self-belief, right? Um, I think that you kind of need that when you're just embarking on this kind of quest. And like you said, I was definitely not like a highly touted prospect coming out of college. Um, I had to kind of scrap and claw to find an agent just who would represent me let alone, you know, get in front of some NFL teams. And um, really, I would say I went, so after college, I went and had a tryout with the Cleveland Browns. Didn't even make it to the third day. They had me at 3-4 outside linebacker. I was I was a mess. Um, and then after that, I played in arena football. Then I played in the UFL. And that's when I made the switch to fullback. And I'd say that's when I really felt like, hey, I can do something here. Because I was playing, I was one of two, like, you know, true rookies on the team and all the other guys, I'd say 95% of the roster were ex NFL guys. So it kind of gave me like the first like barometer to measure myself against. And, uh, and so when I earned a starting position, and I was like making some, some nice plays out there, that's when I really felt like, hey, I, I can do this, I just need the right opportunity. And then, you know, practice squads and stuff like that three years later i was you know starting for the Pat. so it all kind of that's when it really like that was my jump off point
0: i don't know that paul and i can sit here uh well i know we can't sit here and what's it like to be in an ivy league school but did you you know was this dream something that you were dreaming of what you were brown did you get made fun of did you say oh please come on you're gonna end up doing you know be a lawyer you'll be a doctor you know that's why you come to brown and conversely did you also hear it when you're in the UFL, you know, hey, Ivy, you know, did you get stuck with a nickname or was there any kind of stigmatism to you know, Ivy League guys don't make it to the NFL? What do you know, maybe in their training staff or something like that?
2: Yeah, so I'd say first and foremost, being at Brown, I mean, there was there was definitely doubters um, because, like you said, they're not not every day. You know, guys come out of, out of the football powerhouse that is Brown University, mm-hmm. let alone the entire Ivy League. But, you know, I was exper- I had a year on the team with Zach Diasi, and he was drafted to the Giants um, as a linebacker Then ended up having a 13-year career as a long snapper. But I knew it was possible, and that's kind of all I needed to hear. Um, the rest, it was kind of up to me. So, I yeah, there was doubters. Yeah, there was times when, you know, guys were going out partying and I was staying back because I wanted to wake up early and train. And, you know, they'd be like, oh, you're not making it to the NFL. Like, just come out. And I'm like, no, no, I got got bigger aspirations. I got dreams I got to, like, kind of take care of. So there was definitely those kind of moments. Um, But to say I got picked on, I wouldn't say that. And then once I got to the UFL, once I got to the UFL, everyone was kind of in the same boat. We were all there with a purpose to try to get exposure to get back in the NFL. So there was absolutely no you know naysaying or anything like that um everyone kind of had a story i mean there was kind of nfl cast offs that were trying to regain their reputations and nobody nobody was higher or lower than anyone in that in that organization that's something that you know always kind of stuck with me um because everyone was humbled everybody was humbled to be there although it was a great opportunity and we were getting compensated and all that stuff like everyone had a a humbling journey to get on that roster and uh so it was a it was a great learning experience. Um experience in that as a I don't know what a 21 22 year old kid.
0: Probably a portrait of words Paul. I should have said busted
1: his balls maybe then when uh, like, <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I definitely definitely got my balls busted.
1: Right? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, just what was the the first impression here? Um you know you you, you get in here what was probably what uh, 2012. Yes. Um and, and you know, you sort of your your first interactions with Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it's a an organization that had done a lot of winning and here you are trying to find your way as an NFL player, let alone, you know, make it into a role. What was it first like for you, your first impressions?
2: Yeah, so it was it was everything I was looking for in a football team. That the the respect, the accountability, um, you know, the kind of I could you could say strictness but it's it's more than that it's kind of just like that that level of respect that you have for your teammates your coaches um, the game itself and your approach to that game um, that that is what I what stood out to me um, because coming through the UFL and and then my first year and a half with Cincinnati on their practice squad it wasn't it wasn't like that. But uh, I always cherished the the types of organizations where, you know, the head coach was like a guy that was almost like a father type figure, and I never wanted to like let him down. So I had that at Brown. Uh, coach Estes was was a like a very like brute. Just like you did not want to let him down. You didn't want to disappoint him. And so that's what I always loved about playing with for him. And then with Bill, it was the same kind of thing. The respect that he had, being Bill Belichick and all that. I never wanted to let him down. You know, I wanted to just do everything to try to um, be the best player I could be for him, for my teammates, for my other coaches, the whole organization. Um, So that level of respect just really stood out to me. I mean, and then just the the humility of the guys and the lack of ego, um, you know, coming in and seeing, holy shit, this is Bill Belichick I'm talking to, or this is Tom Brady, you know, the greatest. At that point, he was already on his way to, Becoming the greatest quarterback of all time, and now he is. And it's just like, wow, like these guys are, are, you know, humble enough and human enough to like just kind of sit down and talk to me and you know say what's up in the uh in the cafeteria and just sit down and like have a regular conversation. That level of uh of just humility around across the across the organization really stood out.
0: Bill often says, or the coaches and players say, James, that. You know for new people draft picks undrafted free agents people like that the best uh, route to make the team and to make an impact is on special teams and Mm -hmm. would you agree with that and is there a moment where you can remember you know on teams that you know you were able to maybe stack some things together to get them to you know notice you and say hey this is somebody that we should that we think we should um consider keeping to work with
2: sure yeah so that's exactly uh that's exactly how it how it came for me I mean my first year in 2012 I was on a practice squad they brought me up for four games I played in one game Sunday night against the uh against the San Francisco 49ers and all I did was special teams I didn't play one offensive snap um, we lost that game it was raining
0: uh raw and cold
1: I remember the night yeah yeah Interesting game yeah. for the for the first yeah, game. Yeah, we'll, fell, I think we fell yeah. behind like 31-3 to 3 or something like that, right. came yeah. back, and then we ended up losing. I, yeah, we
2: came back, and we were kind of mounting the comeback a little bit. And late in the fourth quarter, they, they were punting. And Wes Welker was our punt return at the time, called it like the 10, uh, took it back for like maybe 15 or so yards, and I got called for a holding against Navarro Bowman. And I remember feeling like this big, coming off the sideline, like not trying to make eye contact with Scott O'Brien, our our special teams coordinator at the time, and Bill and all that, just like trying to shrink down. Um, But, you know, like I learned a lot from that experience. And then the following year, so 2013, go through training camp, I'm kind of solidifying myself on the offense. But the first play of the entire season, my entire like season as a real NFL starter um, our opening kickoff, we were in Buffalo and we ran this little thing. It's kinda of back when we had the wedge and I was one of like the off men off the wedge and I and I kinda of trapped behind the wedge guys and hit the L two and absolutely just demolished them. And that that moment I was like, that is like kind of putting a stamp on who I am. Um I like to be physical and I just I was like the electricity i felt in my body when i made that hit and then came off on the sideline i mean i could have like lit up the entire stadium it was uh it was unreal so that that moment and then that was one of the first clips that bill played that following monday um and i was like yeah i think i i think i you know showed everybody who i was and what i could do
0: i was just going to ask you did you get an attaboy for that were you you know and and what's that like you know on the positive end of it cuz i'm sure it happens on the other end right. to everybody mm-hmm. but what's it like in the other when you get that like hey this is what we're trying to do here that must be an awesome yeah. feeling
2: yeah it was it was a a culmination of a lot of a lot of experiences both bad and good on on the on the journey to that point you know i mean there was like some there was definitely some bright days, but there was also some dark days. And so having that type of moment where like you finally just kind of like erupt on some on somebody and like you're you've made it. I mean, it was uh, it was a wild experience and um, one that I'll always remember, man. And that's that that type of that type of fight and desire for something and then finally obtaining it like that is continues to drive me to this day. So. Um albeit off the football field i still i still kind of associate everything to you know how I approached the game of football and now I'm trying to do it in a different um business but uh yeah, it all kind of it all kind of works the same
1: so now you're going to the sidelines and you're making eye contact with anybody who'll look back at you right yeah exactly. A little different a little oh, yeah. different uh, so I remember you know in mostly because of andy Andy Hart who absolutely mm-hmm. he was a fullback in high school and in college He yep. played. Uh, and he absolutely loved the old school fullback that was james devlin so Mm -hmm. uh, i remember a 31 yard catch Mm -hmm. in the the 13 season you know i mean most of your work was down around the goal line if you ever got the ball in your hands it was you know Mm -hmm. one yard touchdown runs and things like that but do you remember that 31 yard i think it was in that season that 13 season
2: yeah it was 2013 yes when they when they realized i wasn't I wasn't any fast at all so um but yeah i ran a little a little wheel route up the right sideline on Barkevius mingo who later became my sure. teammate um and went up for it with two hands but i actually only caught it with one brought it down and then uh i uh, forget his first name his last name was ward but he was a safety tackle me bounced my head off the ground slightly slightly concussed on the play but then came back to play and my first play was uh was a wham on their D tackle so you know I was all right
0: you know he, uh, Paul mentions you know Andy and fullback but it is a it's kind of a small fraternity these days yeah uh, mm-hmm. James one that I'm sure that you're proud of being a part of but you know when you look around the league I don't know if you watch how much you watch or anything like that are you surprised you know I guess that the you know, at the, amo- the amount or the lack of the amount of fullbacks that are in the National Football League today
2: uh, yeah, so that's always kind of been the moniker, right? Is like the fullback is kind of getting phased out and it's becoming like a dinosaur I've heard used a lot. Um, but it's funny because I feel like, you know, you see successful teams and especially this time of year when when defenses are a little beat up and the, the teams that can run the ball, they really like start to establish an identity this time of year. And most of those teams have fullbacks, you know, I mean – look at the 49ers um, My guy juice check is is one of the best i mean he's a harvard guy so kind of got to like you know knock him for that a little bit but he's he's a great fullback for them a little bit different style you know he like he get he uses his body perfectly in their scheme um you know not much or not so much of like a downhill guy but like there's there's fullbacks like making a difference i mean Jakob johnson and and uh in Las Vegas I mean the guy the guy has having a great year Jacobs is having a great year behind him Um, so there's definitely examples of the fullback position still being utilized in a a very good way and so I'll always kind of like you know keep an eye out for those guys um and root for them because I think a fullback is is very useful it's getting more useful as it's getting less used I think because defenses aren't as aware of how to fit two two back runs as much anymore um and see i get i get real i get real like advanced in my in my thought process sometimes but i feel like as the nfl kind of continues to go down this route where maybe fullbacks aren't being used i think it starts to change the landscape of how defense is being played and it might end up becoming more susceptible to actually run these two back runs in like the old school style, you know, 35 runs a game. Um, So you could see like a resurgence coming back. You know, I think I think what Tennessee has been doing with Henry is is kind of a little example of that. And uh, and we're seeing examples, you know, across the league sometimes.
1: Yeah. And just as a real quick aside, John Hanna, you know, Hall of of Fame Mm -hmm. offensive guard and, you know, uh, probably second or third greatest player in this team's history said exactly what you said you know it's probably going back 10 years but he Mm -hmm. talked about sort of the influx of the spread passing games and the smaller linebackers and the speed emphasis on defense he said it's all going to come full circle teams smart teams are going to come back they're going to load up with two tight ends fullbacks and they're going to pound away at these smaller defenses and you look at Baltimore, and you know, Matt and I talked mm-hmm. about this before the, the podcast, that the kid Ricard is yeah. three hundred pounds. He's, he's, it's like a defensive tackle playing fullback. Yeah, he's like three hundred pounds. He is a D
2: tackle, yeah. Right. He he plays both ways. <laughs> he plays D tackle and fullback. Does a great job at both too. And um you're exactly right. I sorry to cut you off, but no, I think I think the game of football is like kind of a microcosm of life, and I feel like life is a little bit cyclic. Things kinda happen and then everybody reacts to that and then you realize that all right, well now like the next cycle is like the reaction to that reaction. And so I think uh, I think football's the same. You know, I think as as like you said, defense is getting smaller, defense is not really being aware of I mean, how many colleges run fullback right now? Exactly. So how many right. how many defenses are playing, you know, uh, you know, traditional two back runs in college and then once these guys get to the NFL, you know, they're not seeing much as as well. So I think there uh, there could be a little chink in the armor here down the road.
0: James, as you describe that, is that a is that a, you think a good way maybe to describe what happened with you guys at the end of the eighteen season? Because yeah. you lost to Miami, you lost to mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, and you know I don't know if there was a hey, what is it that we do well here? Let's see mm-hmm. if we can get back to that. And you guys went to a power running game, and that power running game took you all the way to the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, you know, I think there was uh there was a little bit of that each season. I felt like late in the year, it's always nice to be able to kind of hang your hat on the run game because after, you know, 16 game season at that time, now 17, people are beat up, you know. Nobody wants to, you know, stick their face in the fan, you know, 20, 30 times a game. Um and so if you can kind of like establish yourself as a as a quality running team, the end at the end of the season, it always kind of slows the game down. It's like nice and methodical and, um, and it really opens up the playbook offensively. So we always kind of try to do that. But, yeah, I'd say 2018 was the, was the greatest um, example of that. I mean, I think we, we really like we were challenged, honestly, when we lost to, uh, to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, our coaches challenged us to like, you know, who are we going to be? And we had some guys that were like road graders at the time. And so we all just kind of like really got back to work. And uh, and like I said, like threw that ego out the window and just said like, look, we're gonna, we're gonna make the most of our opportunities. And yeah, we had a, we had great success running the ball. That was, that was some of my favorite football. You know, it's just having my daughter at the time. And, um, and that, yeah, that, that playoff run in 2018 was, was special.
1: So that Kansas City game in particular is one that Matt and I and a lot of us around here talk about. You know, we've both been here over 20 years. So Mm -hmm. we've been lucky enough to be part of a lot of wins. Yeah. And when we're asked which one stands out, you know, obviously Super Bowls are more important than AFC championship games. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to top just in terms of sheer skill on both sides of the ball, that game in Kansas City. What do you remember about it and, you know, just – kind of the atmosphere and everything that went into it it was probably one of the the, the landmark wins for, for for you guys no question yeah.
2: yeah absolutely I mean thinking back of my football career even from you know the start and when I was seven years old till I retired in 2020 uh, that stands out as the as my favorite football game I've ever played in mm-hmm. um, and it could honestly like it gives me chills like I if I didn't have the sweatshirt on I'd show my my forearms a <laughs> goosebump right now. <laughs> Um, it almost brings a tear to my eye, honestly, because it was like it was just it was it was like the perfect team against the world environment. First of all, Kansas City's a great place to play football. Um, and when we were walked in there, like you could just feel how much we like no one wanted us to be there. Right. So it was us like the 46 guys on the field, plus, you know, all the. The help we have on the sideline. so call it like 70 to 80 people it was like us against you know oh, close to ninety thousand, um and this way we started the game like running the ball well i think we we ran lead on the first play sony broke it for like 13 or something like that um and then you know and then it was the goal line run bang we score goal line run bang we score uh and it was everything was kind of like you know just building and building and building and we knew that they were going to break at some point defensively if we just kind of kept just you know kept the the punches coming and uh and then finally yeah it, it kind of did and then they they fought back and that whole like that just like fl- ebb and flow of the game and then you know going into overtime and geez like all the third downs that we converted I mean like it is like lighting me up right now just thinking about it and then the final play is is one of my favorites of all time and you know standing over rex you know as he was in the end zone is like one of my favorite football memories um yeah it was uh that was that was truly a special one and just the feeling of like brotherhood that we had like after we won that and like running off the field and just the exuberance um, uh, like among like the misery of all the fans and the other team. It was like just it was perfect.
1: So you, I do have one email question here from sure. from young Andy, um, who always wanted to ask you if you felt bad that Sony got all the credit for that, that ground and pound uh, attack. And it wasn't you getting the credit
2: <laughs> for it. No, nah, no, nah, because that's my role, man. Like that's and that, I think every fullback would say that across the league who's really ever played is. You don't really play the fullback position for the limelight, you know? Like I was very happy just kinda in my role, um, you know, quietly just going out there and doing my job. And uh, you know, it it uh I loved I you know, I love Sony. Um, you know, I love that that playoff run. I love all the guys that, that I played with, man, and, and so I don't have any animosity towards <laughs> any of that.
0: You know, um you talk about how it felt when you're walking in and everything like that. Did the cold you know, did you, do you remember how cold it was that day? That was yeah. pretty cold. It was, mm-hmm. That does, was a cold one. Yeah, but does that um, – are you conditioned and trained to the point, James, where that's not really a factor, especially as you get going? And you talked about right out of the shoot, you know, bam, you hit him with the run. You went right down the field and scored, ran it mm-hmm. in, went right down the field again, I think, and could have scored. Didn't Tom throw a pick on that second drive? I believe he did, yeah. Right, but yeah. you tremendous uh, time of possession – advantage mm-hmm. that you guys had as you're going through do you ever do does a cold dissipate do you not even realize what's going on because you're in the heat of the moment as far as the game is concerned
2: yeah i mean i'd say we're as about a, we're about as conditioned to the cold as as anybody in the nfl the way that we prepare and the way that we practice you know outside no matter what it is out there we're we're out there in it um and I was always kind of, you know, one of those tough guys that wouldn't wear his sleeves at practice, never wear a sleeve in a game, um, and I kind of like reveled that a little bit, and you'd feel the cold like 100%, especially on the sideline, but then we have like the heated benches and the, and the uh, you know, the blowers over there, so like there's ways around it. Once once you're out on the field, honestly, the worst part is like timeouts, when you're just kind of standing in the huddle and like the wind's hitting you, and you know, you got nothing to protect you. Um, but once that ball snapped, man, like there's you don't have you don't have time to think about how cold it is. And so that's then like I guess maybe the advantage becomes you know more apparent when like you know that ball snapped and it's just like you know if it's football. You know, we don't have time to worry about if it's 15 degrees versus 75.
0: So you mentioned the euphoria in the end zone and one of the great moments of your career, and I think we can all remember. You know, guys throwing their helmets off. Andrew's lifting mm-hmm. Brady. You know, everybody just, you know, the joy of um, of winning that game. Mm-hmm. But at what point in time do you need to flip the switch and say, this is it, you know, we've got one more left. And it would be a shame for all that we've accomplished. Going into Kansas City, nobody thought we could do it. We went in and beat the Chiefs. we got to now close the deal.
2: Yeah, it was immediate. I mean, I remember – I remember everyone, almost everybody I hugged um, and I can remember vividly like hugging Tom and the first words I heard from his mouth were, we got one more. And that's, everyone was saying that. Everybody knew. I mean, in the excitement of the moment, everybody also knew that like, you know, we didn't fight all this or do all this work throughout the season and, and fight to get to this point. Like we, we wanted to be here, but there's also more to be had. So... Um, that was always something that, you know, I feel like we were always always aware of is, you know, the work wasn't done until really the uh, the first or second weekend in February.
1: When we talk about all these different things and I see how fired up you still get about some of these blocks, these, you know, you're talking about lead and, you know, having a wham. Uh, and the, mm-hmm. Was there a guy that you went against that particularly stood out to you was toughest to block?
2: Yeah, I'd say I know. I mean, I tell everybody who asked this, Elandon Roberts, in practice, was the toughest guy for me. Cause I'd say, like generally speaking, I'm I'm like a taller-ish fullback, mm-hmm. you know, like six three. Um, so I kind of lose a lot of like natural leverage that like a six foot and maybe under guy would have. But Elandon's like maybe five eleven, you know, maybe six foot in the on the roster. But uh, that dude also just had like, I mean, he was like, in practice, the first day pads, everybody knew we'd get to nine on seven and the first play would be lead. And it'd be me on me versus Elandon, And it was just like a like a car accident every time, you know, it was just wild. Um, And so that guy just with his natural leverage and his like ability to just thump, and have like little to no regard for his body, he was always a tough guy to block. Um, otherwise then it was like, you know, D tackles I remember the first time I had a wham on Vince Wilfork and I felt like I was throwing my body into a brick wall. That, <laughs> dude, that dude did not move at all. Um, and then obviously, you know, first play of the uh, the last Super Bowl there against the Rams hitting Ndamukong Sue, and like, you know, that was a very similar feeling. Um, so yeah, there was definitely some uh, some big boys I had to go up against, but he landed, man. It was just like every time I had to like strap up extra tight, cause this dude was uh, was just coming, and you know I definitely wasn't backing away either. So it was just just gnarly hits every every year.
0: And I don't know if it's the same as a fullback, but those downhill linebackers, run stopping mm-hmm. linebackers they're not in great abundance nowadays. Everybody wants the sideline-to-sideline side guy. You know, mm-hmm. everybody wants a guy that's got all the speed, yeah. can cover a back out of the backfield, can maybe get drop into a zone and cover a wide receiver. So Roberts, I think, a- another guy who's really formed a nice little career for himself yeah. at a position that I don't know if it's extinct, but, you know – people are kind of going away from to your point that you made earlier with all the spread and everything like that yeah
2: i i completely agree man i mean now it's all about versatility and being able to run and play the run and um play the pass all this stuff and i mean just wait you know i think we'll see things come back around and then you know linebackers will be 250 255 260 again and Um, you know we're gonna have to start packing a box up because like you said two two tight ends and a fullback let's go
1: (laughs) did you have you know teams uh, you know a particular rivalry that you know you you, uh, got a little extra juiced up for what were the teams that that uh, had a little bit more motivation to play against
2: yeah so early on uh, I'd say the Broncos they were always tough games when when Peyton was there and Playing out in Buffalo, I felt like we always had to play them out there, except for that one, I think it may have been Monday night when they came out, and that was a real cold one. Um, and uh, and we came back from like 28 down or something at halftime. But anyways, uh, yeah, the Broncos were, were always a good one. The Steelers were always a good one. Um, the Colts were always, always a good fight. Um, and then obviously, you know, like our divisional rivals were – Were always tough, you know. It didn't matter what their or what their uh, what their, their standings were. Um, it was just we knew each other so well. It was like you know fighting your brother. So, it was uh, those were always tough. The Jets, the Dolphins, and the uh, oh my gosh, and the Bills. The Bills, Bills, obviously, yeah. So uh, those ones were always tough.
0: When you're sitting there in uh, (laughs) South Jersey on the shore, you're trying to start this business. You've got this business plan in your mind you're thinking about you know five years down the road maybe 10 years down the road um how often James do you sort of catch yourself or is it brought to your attention or anything like that that you're a three-time Super Bowl champion
2: I mean I'd say the the Super Bowl champion thing doesn't come up but where I thought you were going and what I do want to say here is uh is while I'm on this journey right this entrepreneurial journey my life after football um I'm, I'm big about like this whole like growth mindset, trying to get better every single day at what I'm doing, even though I, I mean, shit, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bullshit here. There's days where I know I'm, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just out here. (laughs) I'm out here trying to wade through the water. Um, But I'll tell you, it's like clockwork almost every single day, I'm reminded of something that the game of football taught me. and. I'm particularly reminded of something that Bill Belichick, you know, was like one of his staples and this, like the wisdom that I, that I took in from my eight years in New England. Um, I mean, it it was like reading like every masterclass book and everything about self-help. Like the, the guy just like exuberates this wisdom that like, while I was playing, I was picking it up, but maybe I wasn't, like, registered. Maybe I wasn't mature enough at the point to really, like, let it resonate with me. But now it's, like, I realize so much. And there's, like, these things that were about football, but then I translate them to business and or things just about life. Um, and that's really been standing out to me. And, I, and I've and i told Bill that to his face, just, like, how much, like, these lessons come up in in my life beyond football and how much I appreciate, you know,
1: the time and and the wisdom that he that he gave. Do you have much interaction with, you know, your former teammates? I mean, it's clear to yeah. listening to you how much you miss it. I mean, just, oh, you know, yeah. the, the the entirety of it, but how much interaction mm-hmm. do you still have with the guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously living down here in in Jersey, there's not a ton of other guys that are down here. Um, but I still keep in contact with uh, with some guys on the team still, you know, David Andrews, Slate, um, Dev McCourty, guys like that. And then, you know, guys that have moved on as well, you know, Julian, Danny Mandola, um, you know, Dwayne Allen, guys like that. And then some guys from like the equipment staff that are, will always be just like dear friends. Like, do I miss the game? Absolutely. Do I miss those, those like bonds that I, that I created in the locker room? Um, yes. And the, and the sad part is like, you know, for eight years I was able to to interact with these guys on a daily basis, like family. And now it's like, oh, I got to set up, you know, a call. And, like, Dwayne lives in San Francisco, and now there's, like, the time difference. And I'm calling him. He's with his son. And I'm like, you know, there's just, like, all these, you know, mix-ups. But um, we still keep in contact. And, like, you know, one of my favorite conversations I've had in the the last month was with Jules. Um, You know, the guy's busy as hell traveling from – LA to back to New York and all this stuff, but he still found, found time to, you know, sit down to kind of shoot the shit with me. And so it was, a, you know, we just went, went through a lot in those eight years, you know, I was newly married, had all, had three of my four kids at the time. And, you know, he had his daughter and, you know, all these guys were going through all these life experiences together. And that just doesn't get thrown out the window when we're done playing the game, you know? So, um, yeah, there's definitely good relationships that I'll always, cherish from from my time with the pats
0: do you find that constant uh james when you're talking to these guys that it's the relationships you know uh and those are the things that are never yeah sure you miss being in the locker room the camaraderie and everything like that the plane rides even maybe the bus rides the meetings in the hotel but it's those relationships is that a constant or a theme when you're talking to other guys that are no longer playing
2: yeah, yeah, I I think that's a hundred percent correct. Um, you know, obviously, like the pageantry of, around the game and and how how awesome it is to be able to play football as a profession. Like, yes, that you know, I miss that too. I miss the the craft, if you want to call it that. But the thing that will always just stay with you is, like you said, the relationships that you build and the experiences you go through, the highs and lows of the season, the highs and lows of. You know, everyday life outside of the facility, and being able to just kind of wade through those waters with these same guys, and uh, you know, that's that's special. You know, I think you find that across any any like corporation in America, as um, you start to establish relationships with people that you go through these experiences with, and nothing's different in the, inside a football locker room, but it may be heightened a bit because you're just in there all day going through all this stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, I say it all the time. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say I truly love every, every, every guy that I played with and every coach that coached me. And I'm just so thankful for the time that, you know, I was
1: able to be, you know, part of their lives. So yeah, I, I, I definitely miss it. You can let us know which, uh, opponents maybe you didn't like. <laughs> That's okay. No, I respected everybody. You know, everybody's playing hard out there. It's a brotherhood.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I always, and like I said, like you said, I mean, I definitely had respect for my opponents. You know, they all have their stories, and they're all human beings at the end of the day. So, um, no, I never had anybody that I hated or hated to play. It was, it was always just, you know, we're out here playing a game.
0: And even if you did, I think the events of the recent the yeah. last week or so, right. The if time. you didn't know about it beforehand, you can see that it is truly a brotherhood and mm-hmm. everybody respects what you guys are do what it is that you have to do. And um it's pretty special to see. It's pretty special yeah. to see.
2: A hundred percent. And like you said, like one of your first questions about, you know, what I what I realized when I first got to the Patriots or what stood out to me, um, was just like the human element behind it because it was You know, getting to the NFL, you always look at you're watching on Sundays as a little kid and these guys seem bigger than life. And, you know, you hear about Tom Brady from the time I was 10 years old about how good he is and, you know, winning all these Super Bowls. And now all of a sudden I'm in the same room as him as a as a peer. And I realize like this guy's just another human being. And so I think, like you said, this past week really like humanizes the game of football a little bit, realizes like under these helmets and under these pads and, jerseys and you know out on the field is just 22 human beings that all have different stories and they all have different experiences and things that they can bring to the game and to the world and um yeah when you peel all that all the layers of the onion back like we're all just human beings at the end of the day and that's that's the beautiful part of the game of football you know it's it's real life human drama on the field and off the field so
0: fantastic stuff james really appreciate your time uh, best wishes for the uh, smoothie and the um, oh, acai bowl business, <laughs> and uh, if we can help promote that and get into a patriot place, we're happy to do so. All right.
2: I uh, will. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. We'll yeah, if you're ever part. down the Jersey Shore, let me know, and I'll hook I'll you up with a with an acai bowl. You gotta <laughs> say it right first. Yeah. Well,
0: no surprise that I butchered that. James, yeah. thanks a lot, man. Appreciate your time. Have a great one. All right. Thank all right, you, Thanks, James. guys. Have a good one.